Hi, welcome to another episode of What's Going On in Banking. I'm Ron Shevlin, Chief Research Officer at Cornerstone Advisors and Senior Contributor to Forbes, where I write the what's, uh, the, what do I write there? I write the, uh, the FinTech Snark Tank. That's what I write there. When we set out, though, to start this podcast, we decided that we were really going to focus on breaking news in banking and get to the so what of it. Today's episode is about something that kind of broke a couple months ago, and I hope you'd give me a break on this because the podcast hadn't even started when this broke. But I wanted to talk a little bit today about how ChatGPT, the new AI tool that uh, was developed by OpenAI, which has taken the world by storm. It has 100 million users already within the first three or four months, which is the, uh, the fastest growing app ever. Uh, has really taken the world by storm. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how this was going to impact banking in general. But before we get into the discussion about ChatGPT itself, I wanted to put this in a little bit of context because the technology is really a form of conversational AI. And I've been writing a lot about this recently and put the stake in the ground that conversational AI is becoming a foundational technology in banking which to me means it's a must-have. It's a must-have technology beyond digital banking and mobile banking and all the other things that, that banks and credit unions have in their, in their tech stack. And why is it so important? Well, number one, uh, banks have got to do a much better job at approving digital service. I, I think when people think conversational AI, they equate it to things like chatbots, which is conversational AI, but then it tends to get almost dismissed. I, I hear people say, come on, Ron, you've used chatbots before, though the, the user experience is horrible. And in some cases it is, but chatbots are kind of uh, learning steps. They're the entry level of conversational AI. And the, I wrote about this a couple of months in a, in a report called The Chatbot Journey, about how chatbots are evolving from what we think of as chatbots, very simple customer service front-end tools that answer a question, take another question, answer that question, uh, and evolving to something that a lot of folks refer to as intelligent digital assistance, a term I'm not particularly crazy about either, but imply that there are a couple of things that make a difference. One is the utilization of machine learning to create more of a conversational capability and more of an advisory capability than just simply a customer service resolution type capability. That's one reason why I think we're moving towards uh, a conversational AI as a, as a <clears throat> foundational technology. But another reason, and I think it gets overlooked a lot by bankers, is the need for internal employee support. It's just as important for an employee to be able to turn to a conversational AI tool, ask questions. And in this day and age where banks are really struggling with recruiting and retaining personnel, I often joke that if you walk into a bank branch today, you're, you're likely to talk to somebody who has all of about five minutes worth of experience. And if you talk to my wife who does all the banking for us at my, in my household, it's really frustrating to walk in and talk to somebody who you have more knowledge of their products th than they do. Uh, and so actually talk to a lot of financial institutions who are, I know this sounds crazy, trying to make chatbots or intelligent digital assistance more appropriately members of the team, and really supporting the employee experience. The third thing that I think is driving 
this uh, move towards conversational AI as a foundational technology is the introduction of ChatGPT, uh, which launched a few months ago, and as I mentioned before, really taking the world by storm. Now, to help me make some sense of ChatGPT and where it's going and how it's going to impact banking, I've asked Chris Nichols, the Director of Capital Markets at South State Bank, to ch join me on this. And I, well, I chose Chris for a couple reasons. First of all, because I read everything he writes, and he's absolutely brilliant, and I agree with everything he writes, which makes him really the only person in the world who I agree with, other than my wife, of course. Uh, the other reason is that he had a recent post on LinkedIn about 15 use cases for ChatGPT in banking. So, Chris, thanks a lot for, for joining me on the podcast today. I want to get into this discussion of ChatGPT with you. And I'd love to have you start by, I don't want you to go through all 15 of the use cases, but which one of the use cases that you wrote about do you think will have the biggest impact on, on banking? Sure. So, Ron, thanks for having me on the program. Uh, I'm a big fan of your work as well, so and the feelings mutual. Um, as far as ChatGPT, we've been playing with it and its predecessors for uh, a little less than a year now and just started to roll it out in terms of training. I think we have our first training session coming up more bank-wide, and so we think it's a needed skill uh, to have how to work with the technology, how to start to utilize it. We're coming up with various use cases, um, and so we think it's the future. And you kind of connected the dots of your intro there. You know, first we want to familiarize bankers with it. So it's a productivity enhancement tool right off the bat. So any banker right now, go on, um, we dump, whether it's uh, summarizing an email thread, whether it's summarizing other work, whether it's helping you proof something, you know, you can use things like Grammarly, what have you, and go by step by step and proof, proof a document. But if you dump it into ChatGPT, for example, it corrects it all at once, much faster, um, about the same accuracy, maybe a little less in some cases, a little more in other cases. But there's a variety of use cases. And the biggest one for just banker productivity for step one is being able to solve what we call the blank page syndrome. If you have to start a policy, if you have to start a marketing blurb, if you're trying to do some website work, whatever that is, start with ChatGPT. It gets you going and pretty intelligently, I might add. So accuracy is fairly high. You know, we write about, we measured, you know, various methods uh, of and gauging the intelligence. And so we, we talk about it as a B-type student. Um, it's not perfect, but it's not bad, and it gets you started. So being able to create paragraphs uh, and even, you know, whole pages and whole documents, whether it's legal, whether it's more marketing spin, it, it does a great job in impersonating personas. So we love it if I need to get in the head of a uh, small business owner is a typical example that we do, or a doctor or uh, a government employee, whatever that is, we can say, hey, write a paragraph explaining treasury management to a doctor, right? And then it helps us reframe that. So in this era of hyper-personalization, when we're creating multiple ads, multiple headlines, multiple taglines, opening paragraphs, it speeds our work quite a bit. So there's a whole set of productivity tools, um, I think is step one. Step two is what you talked about, is just working with our employees. Our intranet um, is a great example. I think we have one of the better intranets in the industry for employees to find information. It's still extremely hard to find, and the bigger we get, the harder it is to find information. You know, when we were a $400 million bank, you knew everyone, no problem. But as you grow across state lines and different offices, having a natural language regenerative AI tool is huge. And that's the next step in socializing the idea. And then third, what you also alluded to is getting that in front of the customer, using our data, using the API of ChatGPI, productizing 
some information. So whether it's a chat bot or whether it's a tool to automatically answer any comments on Google or Yelp, um, all that can be done more efficiently. Yeah, I loved your use cases. There were three that stuck out for me as as I I thought were really interesting. One was the ability to create code, uh, you know, tell it to write C plus code, write tell it to write Java code. Uh, I wonder if you've done that and have you found it to be bug free or uh, has it been perfect? And and what kind of things have you asked it to pro to create code for? Yeah, so it works real well in limited use cases, but. I think the writing of code gets dismissed in many cases, but there's a gap that's either here now or will quickly come to every bank where you have what we, you know, what we call a citizen developer, where you have the business line start to control different aspects of technology and not rely on their IT department. And usually in that, you know, you've all heard of a low-code environment um, or a no-code environment. If it's no-code, fine. You could you know create boxes and link uh, things together. So um, if you use you know, Power BI or um, Automation Anywhere or some of the um, RPA or robotic process automation. Um, some of it's no code, but some of it's low code. And so to do some advanced things, you now need code. And whether it's Java, or Python, um, or C Sharp, whatever you're writing in, you know, a person like me, I have some background, but not great. So it's fantastic for that business line user with a basic understanding. If I have to write Python, um, I'll run it through ChatGPT. GPT, get pretty good code, uh, then, you know, obviously run it by our IT group, run it by our developers, but I can get pretty far with a lot of our applications just on that aspect. And so, and that gets dismissed a lot in banking circles, thinking it more of an IT tool, but I see it more go, going business line in the next three to five years. And I think every new banker that we hire out of school already has a background in coding. You know, they mostly know Python. And so it's just a fantastic next step entry point to get their skills up. Yeah, one more use case I wanted to ask you about that really caught my eye was the product design. And in fact, you you kind of alluded in your in your opening statement about, you know, being able to ask it to say how to, you know, pitch treasury management services to a doctor. But one of the things that kind of caught my eye was more about product design and ability to take on a specific customer persona. I talk a lot to financial institutions, especially mid-sized community ones, about the need to find their niches, you know, be able to find and deliver products and services that are unique to certain segments like young physicians or so forth. Can chat GPT, actually, can, it, can I ask it, you know, tell me the unique banking needs of a doctor or a, uh, you know, retiree or engineer? So you, you can, and it does a pretty good job. You know, I wouldn't say it's perfect. But again, it solves that blank page syndrome. It gets you thinking. It it often, uh, there's probably never a time that I use it where I don't get some insight that I probably didn't think about right away that maybe I would have three weeks from now. But um, it's a good start and it does things like even produce wireframes or it could, you know, scan all, all the various bank websites and kind of pull out the best of. So what do I need to offer? What, you know, what attributes do I need to offer in this product? Or um, it can look at a product and say, you know, Take this product and make it applicable to doctors in a banking, you know, environment. And everything I just described is, you know, the two skills that I want to highlight that I think is a game changer that bankers need to pay attention to is one, the ability to write prompts, the ability to ask the right questions. And undoubtedly, you're going to screw that up, but you're going to get better at it. But then the ability to kind of drill down so you can take, whether it's a user interface and product design, because it can create, you know, parts of a web page or aspects of the web page, whether it's 
something simple like trying to figure out your password or something more complex like um, you know how to efficiently get your statement during this payment process or sorry your balance information during this payment process it can get you pretty far down the road and then you can drill down on it and even refine your thoughts better and it could be produce wireframes produce workflow it could just you know tell you the five things or the 12 things that a good product page uh, might have or a good user interface regarding sending a wire or sending a, a request for payment over real-time payments. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to ask you specifically about the training aspect. I know one of the things I struggle the most with is knowing or thinking, well, how, what can I say? What can I ask? How, how are you going about training folks at the bank on, on this tool? Yeah, it's, it's right along what, what I talked about is first, getting it in the hands of everybody, talking about it, giving them the basics so they feel comfortable logging in, using you know uh, a prompt in the right way, and kind of figuring out all the different use cases because everyone's going to be a little different. But you know, for me, um, the summarization aspect and the creation of paragraphs and pages to get started to solve that blank page syndrome is instrumental. I use it every time, you know, multiple times a day, and just you know, the game changer that really, you know. Uh, turn the light bulb on for me uh, a number of years ago or a number of months ago is the shift that I did from Google searches to chat GBT searches. Um, it's just much more efficient in some cases and you got to know when to use it and when not to. But the quick synthesization of the information is a game changer to have bankers start to go down that path to understand that to then write their own prompts. Step one, and then you could talk about doing the professional version that's a little faster, a little more advanced and then starting to connect that in um, via their APIs and then paying per uh, use case or per use. And then, you know, having things like a chat bot or, you know, uh, a tool that answers, uh, you know, questions or helps employees go crawl their intranet and get answers back from different documents, et cetera. Yeah, it doesn't seem like an easy task to me because I can't even imagine like HR doing training on ChatGPT to software engineers or product managers. Uh, it seems like it would have to be very domain specific to really get into some of the the, the details. You, you know, I think it's probably easier than you, you think. I mean, I, I think dealing, I, I like it to dealing with Google. The search engine wasn't all that intuitive and everyone kind of got better at search and get it, got better at, you know, using their snippet, Google snippets and knowing when to use and when to drill down and when to go to the second page. I think that's the same learning curve that you'll face on Jet, ChatGPT. The difference is that ChatGPT is almost easier um, in that it's more natural language and more generative AI, yeah. so you can get better at it just in one session. Shoot. Well, now I got to go look up and see what Google's, Google snippets are. Thanks a lot for <laughs> that. Hey, last question for you. Um, do you have any compliance-related concerns regarding banks' use of ChatGPT? Yeah. So, you know, like anything else, this is, uh, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So, you know, one, whatever you get off of it, you know, needs to be checked and needs to be reviewed with a skeptical eye about is this information accurate? Um, you know, if you're looking up, uh, you know, want to know uh, the details of Harry Truman for a speech opening or something, it's probably pretty accurate because the internet's pretty accurate on that. But if you're in a new, a new realm and you're talking about, you know, the latest in uh, metaverse, it's kind of going to fall down on them because there's not a lot of good information. There's a lot of hype out there. And so you got to kind of check that a little, little more. So that's step one is making sure you have a good uh, jaundice eye towards the facts, making sure your reviews accurate. And then, then there's a question of, 
you know, do you know how the information synthesize? If you buy the professional version and you're using chat GPT on just your data, it's probably pretty good. You can kind of drill down a little bit and tell and understand how it came up with the information, how it came out with the output. But, you know, sometimes it's just, hey, create me a visualization on this, or what are the trends of this financial statement? And so as you do, you know, basic credit work on it, and it is, I think, a precursor to more automated credit underwriting, um, as you do that, um, you'll learn the ins and outs. And if you're using good data, you'll mostly get good data out over time. Um, but there is an element of, okay, let's make sure you know how the machine, how the application is coming up with the answers. And I think that's where compliance uh, has a lot of concerns that, you know, we don't roll this out too early. And that's why we're spending, you know, the next year or two kind of understanding how the application works in terms of the synthesis of knowledge. Yeah, it's my sense, Chris, that the folks who are raising the compliance concerns are still thinking of it sort of a customer or outward-facing tool versus the inward. And sure, there's a lot of concerns. You know, are you getting providing advice that's coming from ChatGPT that's getting transmitted to a client? But I think a lot of this is, you know, I think what you raised in your article, which I loved, was the the internal employee-facing where I think the the compliance concerns are are much much more uh, limited or constrained. Chris Nichols, Director of Capital Markets at South Street Bank, thanks a lot for being on What's Going On in Banking, and everybody, thanks a lot for joining us on this segment. Look for us uh, on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, and of course, please give us a five star rating. Thanks a lot. <laughs> See you on the next episode. <laughs> thanks, Rod. Thanks for listening, everyone.